Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, hope you're well. Our number is 877-381-3811. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who Lieutenant Michael Butte is? Reserve Deputy Constable Martinez Mitchum. Deputy Sheriff Christopher Wilson Knight. How about Officer Melton Gore? Do you know who those four gentlemen are? You know, they've been about 40 officer, police officer deaths this year. Now those are four African Americans who were killed in the line of duty. Lieutenant Michael Boutte killed by gunfire. Reserve Deputy Constable Martinez Mitchum killed by gunfire. Deputy Sheriff Christopher Wilson Knight stabbed to death. Officer Melton Gore struck by a vehicle. Killed in the line of duty. And there are others. There are others who are Hispanic. There are others who are white. Is there a reason why the nation doesn't mourn the death of police officers? We don't even know their names. Even African-American police officers killed in the line of duty? Is there a reason why they are not embraced by Joe Biden in the White House, by LeBron James in professional basketball, by corporate America? Is there a reason why their names are utterly unknown? Do some deaths matter more than others? 
There were more killings in our cities over the weekend, again, particularly in Chicago. Do you know the name of any single individual who was murdered over the weekend? This is what happens when you have a corrupt media and a corrupt White House and a corrupt Democrat Party. I received a very nice note. Uh, Let's see, a little over a week ago. From the, from the wife of the officer who was murdered on Capitol Hill, William Billy Evans. Remember William Billy Evans? Well, you see, the great insurrection, there were no murders of police officers during the January 6th so-called insurrection. But a police officer was murdered as he was standing in front of one of the barriers with another police officer protecting Capitol Hill. He was murdered. By whom? By Noah Green. The police officer who was murdered was white. Noah Green is black, or was black. He was also a jihadi of sorts. And he tried to kill the two police officers, and he succeeded in killing Officer Evans. And she wrote to me in part... Dear Mr. Levin, one month ago today, she wrote on May 13th, I was in the Capitol Rotunda with my daughter, Shannon. Well, I shouldn't mention the kids' names, and our grandchildren. As their father, grandfather, Officer William Billy Evans, lay in honor after being murdered on Good Friday. Thank you for your kind remarks on your program on April 2 and bringing attention to Billy's final moments. Thank you also for discussing his killer, Noah Green, and bringing attention to the fact that another police family will live with this senseless tragedy forever. And later on, she writes, For all those who vilify the police, I wish they would stop and think of the damage this does to the grieving family. Thank you again for your support of the police. God's blessings always. Susan. And yet, Washington, D.C., the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the leadership of Congress, Here we have four African Americans, and there are more. I just happen to have the photos of these four. Four African Americans killed in the line of duty. And nobody cares. What were the circumstances of their death? Nobody cares. Because it doesn't promote the narrative. 
It doesn't promote the narrative, which brings me to the next point. Here's a piece on Fox News on Floyd, George Floyd death anniversary, lawmakers optimistic on police reform amid squad demands that could kill the bill. So Senator Tim Scott, who I have enormous respect for, is leading an effort to negotiate with many radical Democrats on what they call police reform. I said to you several weeks ago, I don't trust any of this. As a matter of fact, I'm against all of it. Let me repeat that. I'm against all of it. We have a massive crime wave going on in this country, particularly in our inner cities, that has an enormous and negative impact on minorities in this country. You know, they like to talk about systemic white racism and that our health care system is is unequal and so forth. Well, you know what? How come they don't apply that to criminal activity? You understand, over a course of 10 years, maybe 12 years, course of 12 years, approximately 100,000 or so black men lose their lives to other black men in this country? Of course, a seven years, seven and a half, eight years. One hundred thousand black men are murdered by other black men, and we act like Black Lives Matter is an organization that cares about this when they're focused on trashing police. We have a crime wave in this country. Homicides in our cities have increased by up to 40% over the previous year. That's the biggest increase in over 60 years. And it's getting worse this year. 63 of the 66 largest police jurisdictions, reports the Washington Examiner, saw a rise in at least one category of violent crime, ranging from homicide and rape to robbery and assault. Now, what is the Biden administration doing about any of this? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the best we get is a report that says um, lawmakers are optimistic about a police reform deal. The squad demands could kill the bill. It is the squad... And the Marxists, like the squad, are getting people in this country murdered by the thousands because of their effort to undermine the cops and law enforcement. It is the Democrat Party that controls the politics in these cities and capitulates to the Marxist squad. Joe Biden today had George Floyd's family in. But he doesn't ever talk about the African-American minority and, of course, white police officers who are killed in the line of duty. Who are they? And the massive increase in crime that's going on and affecting so many lives in this country. Nothing. says nothing. 
which goes along with the massive increase of widespread anti-Semitism in this country. He issues a statement after three days of pressure, but has no intention to do anything about it. Nothing. We have a border that's wide open. We talk about internment camps as if they're a thing in the past. They used to attack Donald Trump, of course, for everything, but they had these temporary facilities where there were kids in these facilities, and they quickly moved them out as fast as they could, and the facilities were emptied in a period of a few months. We don't have enough facilities. We're using military bases. We're using temporary tents. We're using anything we can find to house tens of thousands of children and what have to be called internment camps. Meanwhile, contradicting this approach, and this is what happens when you have autocracy, almost 100,000 people have been let loose into this country. I think I read 80,000. Well, then any demand that they show up for any administrative hearing, not that they would, and without any processing. What is going on in this country under this president? The media in America are corrupt, poisonous, and destructive. Whether pushing the Russia collusion story, a, a vicious lie for three years, or covering up for Fauci and this lab in China, in one of the greatest, if not the greatest, pandemic in modern history? Do you know 580,000 people, I just looked at this, and change, are said to have died from this coronavirus? Do you know nearly 30% of them have died since Joe Biden's been president? They don't tell us that. They don't tell us that. Joe Biden had a chance to confront genocidal dictator Xi on the telephone when they spoke about this virus. He never said a word to him. Instead, he blames Trump for the deaths. Trump, the man who brought us the vaccines. The man who brought us the vaccines. This should dispel any notion that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris... Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, or the Democrat Party, or the media, or any of their surrogates care about their fellow human beings. They are ideologues. Pushing an agenda. That's all they are. Crime's going to keep going up. Border's going to keep being open. People are going to keep being harmed, if not killed, and they're not going to do a damn thing about it. And then we have Republicans trying to come up with a police reform bill. Police reform bill. Tim Scott. Because he was stopped seven times by cops who shouldn't have stopped him. So we're going to have a police reform bill, you see. Police reform bill. The statistics demonstrate that we've been given lies. Whether it's Russia collusion, whether it's the coronavirus, where it came from. Still more lies about law enforcement day in and day out in this country. The own Washington Post statistics demonstrate their lies. 
But the Democrats don't believe in statistics, knowledge, or facts, do they? So, Joe, when are you going to have the families of these four African-American officers at the Oval Office? I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a Republican congresswoman, and she tweeted out, vaccinated employees get a vaccination logo, just like the Nazis forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. Vaccine passports and mask mandates create discrimination against unvaxxed people who trust their immune systems to a virus that is 99% survival. This has caused quite a stir. In the media and on Capitol Hill, our friend Kevin McCarthy says it's appalling, and the Democrats are now calling for her resignation. Now, let me just say this. This is a stupid comment. It's an ignorant comment. But it's not an anti-Semitic comment. It's not a slur on Jews. And... Again, she seems to step in it often, but this is not an anti-Semitic comment. It's an ignorant comment. The Democrats calling for her to resign? Now, this is precious. They have full-throated, Jew-hating anti-Semites in their caucus, starting with Talib and Omar, and that's just the beginning. And the things that they have said are so unbelievably specifically bigoted it is they who should resign I'll be right back are you worried about America's future times of trouble are full of reasons to despair but those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Kristen Clark. Do you know who Kristen Clark is? Well, before I do that, I want to circle back here to what Congresswoman Green said and my point. Because I think it needs underscoring. She tweets, vaccinated employees get a vaccination logo just like the Nazis forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. That is not an anti-Semitic comment. She's not condemning Jewish people. She's condemning the effort to vaccinate and compel people to have identification. Again, ignorant and stupid. But the Democrats are demanding that she resign. See, they have her pretty well targeted. Now, Talib and Omar and Presley and Bush and about a score of others in the Democrat Party represent the Hamas terrorist group and the things they say certainly by implication the entire Democrat membership in the House of Representatives voted against a resolution condemning Hamas last week against a resolution condemning Hamas last week Hamas, a terrorist organization Hamas that shot 4,000 missiles into Israel And Congresswoman Green should resign for her tweet. The Biden administration has announced today, through its feckless, incompetent, incoherent, and left-wing ideologically driven Secretary of State, that they vow to provide almost $400 million to rebuild the Gaza Strip. And, of course, Hamas is laughing all the way to the bank. I don't know. Did Israel say it was going to spend $400 million to rebuild Taliban areas in Afghanistan? You get my point, Mr. Producer? What kind of ally have we become under the Biden administration? So hundreds of millions. Is is the State Department going to have monitors all throughout the Gaza Strip? To make sure the money isn't used for more missiles from Iran, for another network of tunnels, and on and on and on. Of course not. But Congresswoman Green, who I don't know, I don't want to know, she should resign because of her tweet. The Hamas wing of the Democrat Party should be celebrated. And that would include Bernie Sanders. The Democrats, every damn one of them in the House, vote against condemning Hamas. The Biden administration 
Within 72 hours of this so-called ceasefire, it's ready to pour almost $400 million into the Gaza Strip and into the other Palestinian strongholds. As a reward, I guess. And I'm not done. And they want not tens of billions, but hundreds of billions of dollars flowing into the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, which sold Hamas those missiles, and is constructing ICBMs with nuclear warheads aimed at us. That's the Biden administration. That Congresswoman Green should resign. She should resign. Again, I'm no fan. I don't know who she is. I don't know anything about her. But I look at these things objectively. I don't go with the mob. I don't go with the flow. I make my own independent judgment. Oh, listening to Obama talk about police reform, that's precious too. Wasn't the man president for eight years? And besides, he's protected. He lives behind walls. He drives in limousines. It's the people in the street who have to live with the ideology that these fools impose on the rest of us. And one other point, by the way, as the Biden administration tries to take credit, quote-unquote, for this ceasefire. There's never a ceasefire with Hamas. They're always building for the next war. Biden had nothing to do with it. It was the Egyptians. Again, Biden had nothing to do with it. It was the Egyptians. Biden had nothing to do with the vaccine. It was President Trump. You thought I forgot. Who is Kristen Clark? Anybody know? She's a racist. She will now be the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights. She will now be the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights. She got the vote of every single Democrat. I'm looking here. And Susan Collins. Whoa, a moderate mansion. And what's the one in Arizona? Oh, her too. Cinnamon, I think her name is. Cinema. Oh, yes, the two moderates voted for, and then, of course, Susan Collins, because she's very independent, you know. Kristen Clark is a well-known bigot, a complete disaster, 51 to 48 vote. Senator Kennedy was absent. So every Democrat and Susan Collins voted yes. She previously served in the Obama Justice Department. So she will be let loose on police departments. She will be pushing critical race theory. Uh, And it just adds another layer of disaster on top of another layer. But the Republicans simply uh, cannot count on a relative handful of their colleagues. It's just an amazing thing to watch. And it's a grotesque thing to watch. For instance, this so-called January 6th commission, which the Democrats are hell-bent on making you think is the worst thing that ever happened in this country since the Civil War. Not the attack on Pearl Harbor, no. Not the attack on 9-11, no. 
January 6th. January 6th. All the riots, they were silent. All the assaults and killings from the riots, they were silent. Well, that's not true. They were trashing the cops. Stormtroopers, you know. And some of these staffers to the Biden-Kamala campaign were actually donating money so the rioters could get out. This was a righteous looting and arson and violent summer. Very righteous. They attack a federal courthouse, no big deal. They attack the White House, no big deal. You attack Congress, whoa, wait a minute. And how many police, how many police were shot in this insurrection? None. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I have condemned this from day one. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit here and roll over to what the Marxist left is trying to do to this country and how they create these narratives. You see, excuse me, Joe Biden has never served in the military. He has to point to his son. Kamala Harris has never served in the military. Chuck Schumer's never served in the military. Nancy Pelosi's never served in the military. Of course, I haven't either. But I'm not anti-military either. Maybe it's because they're ignorant of history, but how would you say that Pearl Harbor isn't one of the worst events since the Civil War when it was the event that brought us into World War II? How can you say that? Or 9-11, when we lost 3,000 of our fellow citizens. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they want it to be. And so they repeat themselves. They are demagogues and they are propagandists. And now they want a commission. And here's the thing. The commission is, is lopsided. It's loaded with left-wing Democrats and their appointees. So the point of the commission is another propaganda effort to affect the 2022 election. Just remember, everything the Democrat Party does is, is about empowering the Democrat Party. And you actually have two Republicans, Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski, who've broken from the Republicans and have voted for funding this commission. So now it's going to be funded. You have over 30 members of the House, Republicans, who voted for it. This isn't an independent commission. This isn't a nonpartisan commission. This is another Democrat ruse. The way the two impeachments of President Trump were Democrat ruse using taxpayers' money. Why don't they have a commission of all the violence that took place? Why don't they have a commission investigating Black Lives Matter and Antifa? Nothing. And Tim Scott, my friend, what's needed is not police reform. It's law and order. Ronald Reagan comes under a lot of attack for being tough on criminals. Those sentencing guidelines were set into law when he was president of the United States. And you know what they did? They made America a safer place. They made our cities safer. You see, like the white community, the black community too, you have the elites and then you have people who have to live with the consequences. Whether white, black, Hispanic, whatever. 
And so what's happening now is a really a complete disconnect. You know, it's interesting, I've been thinking about this, this past summer, with the violent riots that took place. How many people were involved in these violent riots? I'm not talking about peaceful protests, the violent riots. A couple thousand, maybe? In a city with 8 million people in New York City? In a city with 2.5 million people in Chicago? In a city with 3.5 million in Los Angeles? A city with 1.2 million in Philadelphia? Did you see tens of thousands of people riding in the streets? No, you did not. No, you did not. And it's very interesting, just as incurious as the media is about the source of the coronavirus, just as they lied over and over again to the American people about Russia collusion, they've taken absolutely no steps to track down who these people in Antifa are, who funds them. How hard would that be? Or to really dig into Black Lives Matter? which has many financial issues. Because the media protect certain groups and certain individuals and try to destroy certain groups and tries to destroy certain individuals. Why is that? Why is that? Because they're liberal. No, 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 no. Because they're down for the revolution. The same schools that produce the activists in the streets, the violent activists in the streets, produce the journalist so-called on these cable channels, in these networks, and in these newspapers. The same schools, just different departments. The same indoctrination the same radical, revolutionary ideology. You have to pull all this together, which is what I I do in American Marxism. They're not liberal, they're not out of... No, they're the same people. Stelter, Lemon, Tapper, the other network, MSNBC... They also bring in radical professors who push the critical race theory or the so-called climate change or the police reform, quote-unquote. They reinforce their propaganda because they're not journalists. They have devoured journalism just as they're devouring science, just as they're devouring our classrooms. They know that the key to power is indoctrination of children, and control over the media. I'm not saying there's one person out there controlling it. I'm saying they come out of the same schools, the same ideology, the same indoctrination. And this is what I try to explain and pull all together, and I'll do it more coherently once the book comes out. I want to thank you, by the way. American Marxism is number three on Amazon. It's the number one nonfiction right now. It doesn't come out until July 13th. 
but we want to get it in the hands of as many people as humanly possible, tens of thousands, so when it is out, we're ready to roll on July 13th. We'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I'll be on Hannity tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll check us out then. Republicans plan to send Joe Biden nearly $1 trillion infrastructure counteroffer this week. Now, why would they do this? Why would the Republicans be so ready to spend a trillion dollars when we've already been talking about inflation when they have condemned Joe Biden for his profligate spending. And then they do this, and they're going to talk about profligate spending. What is wrong with these people? Are they as dumb as hell or what? I'm being honest with you. Biden wants $1.7 trillion. They're going to throw up a trillion. What are they going to do? Meet in half? Meet in the middle? This is just preposterous. I mean, they're not even fiscal conservatives anymore. I understand it's important to have a Republican body there rather than a Democrat body because the Democrats have absolutely lost their their sanity. But what is with the Republican Party? Do they stand for nothing? Do they stand for nothing? Apparently they stand for nothing. Well, you and I have to organize and we will without them. Because they have done damn little, damn little, whether in the majority or minority, to secure the principles of this country. That's the problem. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Let me start another point here, which will be repeated, and that's a good thing. Biden is already a failed president. His presidency has already failed. 
The border is a disaster. You have MS-13 flowing in here. You have the worst kind of fentanyl, opioids flowing into this country. You have uh, sexual attacks occurring on the border. Young women, little girls. And you have the largest internment of foreigners on our southern border ever, I think. And yet, through the back door, they've released tens of thousands of illegal aliens into the country. Complete failure. Complete failure. We have a crime wave in this country that we haven't seen in a half a century. Since the riots in the early 60s. With murder going through the roof. Murder. In large part because this president won't speak out against crime. And his Justice Department is specifically targeting and attacking local police departments. Because they've bought into this whole Black Lives Matter stuff. So our, we have a crime wave. We have a disaster on the border. We have a federal budget that isn't a federal budget at all. We're printing more money than they did in the Weimar Republic after World War II, excuse me, after World War I in Germany. So our fiscal house isn't a fiscal house at all. It is a disaster. Our foreign policy is blowing up all around us. Where there was peace in the Middle East, now Biden is actually arming and funding our enemies. And that would include Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. It may not be the enemy of the Democrat Party. It may not be the enemy of the Hamas wing of the Democrat Party, but it's our enemy. Let's be blunt. Communist China? They're on the move. They're now moving into Africa and into our hemisphere in a big way. Russia? Russia's on the move in a big way. Our military needs more funding. Joe Biden is starving it. Not enough funding in his proposal to even pay for increased salaries and health care costs in the United States military. When it comes to our principles, Joe Biden is pushing racism. Call it what you will. It's racism. He's leading the war on capitalism. And he's all but destroying women's sports in our high schools and colleges. And he's just getting started. He's got a bunch of hacks, pretty much, on a commission that are going to look into whether the Supreme Court should be changed. And by doing that, he's basically threatening John Roberts in the court. And John Roberts is a gutless wonder, so he'll buckle. But the point is, it's a clear indication of a threat on the Supreme Court. Media could care less, by the way. Could care less. Inflation's going through the roof, 
And soon that issue will be taken away from the Republicans since they have a $1 trillion infrastructure bill ready to work some kind of compromise out with the Marxists. Because, you know, ultimately the Republicans are big spenders too. Let's just be honest. And they want to say, see that? We have the Lisa Murkowski bridge to nowhere. We've got the Romney tunnel. The tunnel to nowhere, the Romney tunnel, oh, that's wonderful. We'll have bike paths and, ooh, can never have enough bike paths. Anyway, we have inflation that's going through the roof, gas prices that are way up. He is, uh, he's uh, leading a war against our uh, fossil fuels industries, which are crucial to this society. So he's already a failed president. The problem is he's going to be a really, really, really failed president and drag down the rest of us. What's his plan, as I asked earlier? What's his plan for dealing with increased murder in the country? To further tie the hands of the cops and unleash the Department of Justice. Now here we are, you've seen this, the George Floyd Memorial Square today, the one-year anniversary they saved George Floyd's death. I'm waiting for them to make George Floyd Day a national holiday. I'm sure that day's coming. A national holiday. And so AP's reported, the Associated Depressed, Philip Crother is reporting, and there's a drive-by shooting right down the block. Cut one, Mr. Producer, go that the White House and U.S. President Joe Biden had. They wanted this bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be... Uh, to... Just got to be careful here with some gunshots. Excuse us, excuse us. It sounds like gunshots. I'll let you know what this is. These seem to be gunshots. And guess what? Not one of those bullets was shot by a cop. Imagine that. Imagine that. I don't know if our city's gotten better since Black Lives Matter was on the uh, scene. I don't think so. James Clyburn is the number three Democrat on the House side. And he's uh, down for the revolution. He's all for what's going on here. All for In fact, we're not going far enough. He wants the federal government to eliminate qualified immunity across the country for all law enforcement. Now, ladies and gentlemen, qualified immunity doesn't mean you're immune from civil rights violations and so forth. What it tries to protect you from are these slip-and-fall, ambulance-chasing, putrid lawyers who do this for a living. So they don't completely destroy the ability of a cop or a police force to function. Notice you can't sue a member of Congress for anything. While they're on duty. Did you know that? So here he is, the clown. I mean, James Clyburn, number three Democrat in leadership. Cut to go. I do believe that a half loaf is better than no loaf at all. 
Now, what we sent to the Senate uh, was what I consider to be the whole law on qualified immunity. That is to say, get rid of it. So get rid of it. Where do they expect the cops to come from? These politicians are killing us, folks. These elitist politicians, elitist athletes, elitist entertainers in Hollywood, these Marxist tenure professors, they're killing us. And more than that, they're killing people in the inner cities. None of these people live in the inner cities. None of them. Even Clyburn. They do not live in the dangerous areas where they believe that there should be no immunity. Go ahead. Uh, Not to get rid of it would be no loaf at all. Uh, So a half loaf is somewhere in between. I would hope they would find some compromise on that. I have consulted Black Law Dictionary, a dictionary that you're very familiar with. And and according to Black's Law Dictionary, qualified means limited. That's the first word. Well, that's already there. Qualified, limited. I don't even need to consult Black's Law Dictionary. Qualified, limited immunity. That's right. That's what exists. Go ahead. So we seem to be interpreting qualified as being absolute. Uh, who? Oh, God. So many stupid people in politics. It's just hard to handle this. Who is we? No, you guys want to get rid of immunity, including qualified immunity. How do I know that? Because you've said it. Now, absolute immunity, no cop has absolute immunity. There are federal constitutional, in some cases state constitutional causes of action. Any nitwit knows that. Any moron knows that. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Christopher Rufo, senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute, he's done a lot of brilliant work on this issue, many issues, but this issue of critical race theory. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Um, one of your pieces came to my attention here. The child soldiers of Portland. Public schools are training children to become race-conscious revolutionaries. They're really teaching children to be Marxists, aren't they? 
Yeah, that's right. And this is a big debate about critical race theory is, is it Marxist or not? And I think the evidence is quite clear. It derives from a critical theory or neo-Marxism. And it looks at the world as those categories of oppressor and oppressed, not on the basis of economic categories, but on the basis of racial categories. So it's kind of a reformulation of the old mm-hmm. Marxist ideas that no matter how hard we try, no matter how disastrous they prove in practice, always seem to revive themselves. And, you know, I look at this, and I agree 100% with you, and I look at this, and I look at how this is positioned, and tell me, what has Black Lives Matter done for the black community in our major cities? Well, I mean, I think this is why we're seeing that Black Lives Matter gets less and less popular the more impact and influence it has. And um, this is the game. One thing that's really important to remember about critical race theory, it's not designed to actually help people, poor people of any racial background. It's designed to centralize power and to subvert public institutions uh, to their ideology. And this ideology isn't about helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the rhetoric, but it's really about the acquisition of power and punishing enemies. Uh, As far as I can tell, that's what they're actually good at. That's what they end up doing. Uh, And people should be aware of exactly what's happening. The cities have gotten worse, right? The murder rates are up. The violence is up. The police don't want to join the forces, and many of them don't want to stay any longer. But you're exactly right. This, This isn't a charitable organization. They're trying to take down the society. And, and frankly, I mean, I, I reported live last year from the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle, the famous Chaz, and this was a kind of a scientific experiment in Black Lives Matter as a governing authority, and it ended up having a homicide rate that was 50 times higher than Chicago. It led to the deaths and shootings of uh, six uh, black men. Uh, it was a complete disaster, and people should be very clear. I think what's really important for people to know is that you can accept the premise that there, America has a historic or has a hi- historical uh, racism, slavery, segregation, etc., which is undoubtedly a factual truth, without accepting the solutions that these people offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but Americans are scared. They're scared to disagree. They're scared, and they're presented with this option that says it's going to solve all their problems, uh, even in, if in reality it doesn't. It does anything but that. Well, we're going to change that right here, brother. Right here now. You wrote this fantastic piece. What is going on in the Portland school system? Now, Portland is a majority white city and a significantly majority white city, correct? It's, it's the whitest big city in America. Mm-hmm. What's going on in these classrooms? Well, Portland has embarked on this experiment dating back 10 years and now really coming to fruition in the last year where they're trying to replace the, the, the education system uh, not as a place where kids learn and develop skills and critical thinking, but actually they're trying to use uh, the education system as a method of political teaching. And they've, they've adopted uh, a theory from a Brazilian Marxist named Paulo Freira as their key pedagogical framework. And it's this idea of the pedagogy of the oppressed. So it's that students should be taught to open their eyes to the oppressive system around them, and, educate, and the education system should be, should be designed to encourage these students to eventually advocate for the overthrow of their oppressors, which in this case is the United States. And they've 
really infused it at every level of the bureaucracy and education system, from the teacher's lounge to teacher trainings to the curriculum. Uh, and, you know, the, the folks I talked to have said these are basically struggle sessions for teachers, and even more concerningly, struggle sessions for kids as young as third grade who are being forced through this indoctrination mill uh, with little control for parents. So you have this school district, you have a school board, you have a superintendent. Who in this school system is behind this? Well, it starts from the top. These people, I mean, Portland is one of the most uh, progressive cities in America, and they sell these, they package these ideas under very attractive labels. They say it's promoting diversity, promoting anti-racism, promoting inclusion, promoting culturally responsive teaching. Uh, but once you peek under the hood, and I had sources leaking me documents and videos, um, you know, they're, t- they're telling uh, elementary school kids, they're showing them videos where they say, you must admit that you're racist. If you were born in society, in, in, in American society, you are by definition a racist, uh, and you have to follow our program in order to atone for yourself. They even had a document called White Identity Development, uh, which was kind of the playbook 101 of a cult indoctrination technique, where they said, we need to manipulate white students' uh, sense of guilt and shame uh, in order to make them become anti-racist activists. And they're, they're doing it. They have the support of, uh, of in depending on the school district, sometimes a majority of teachers, and then teachers that are more conservative, either by temperament or by politics, are really shunned, shamed, and then purged from these institutions. Well, if that isn't Marxism, I don't know what is. Now, any parents objecting, and what do they? What can they do? Yeah, a lot of parents objecting. In fact, uh, you know, I, I had a really incredible interview when I was published when I was writing this piece with a woman who immigrated from the Islamic Republic of Iran, and she said that she grew up as a child uh, every morning before school chanting "Death to America," and she had this terrible feeling that it was wrong. And her father, who was a kind of enlightened person, said, don't believe what the regime is telling you. They're telling you lies. America is actually a, a great country, and one day I will, I will have, I'll help you escape and get you to America. And this woman finally arrived in America. She made an incredible life for herself, very successful, uh, kind of rose up from nothing. And then she said, what I'm seeing in my child's classroom today the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up just like when I remember chanting death to America before school in Iran. And she said, this is America. This is a land for freedom. This is a land where anyone can succeed. And it's turning into the same kind of theocratic or a highly ideologized education uh, that I see here in America. And if, if America falls, there's no other place to go. This is the last hope for people all over the world. It is frightening what's going on in these schools. And unless parents get involved and demand to see the textbooks and demand to see the coursework and start to organize and show up at these board meetings and you're starting to see some of this, uh, there's, there's no turning this around. Do you agree? I agree. I think it's really got to happen at two levels. Like you said, it has to start at the local level where parents take control of their kids' education. But I think state legislators can still do a lot. I mean, first we have... Chris, now- Christopher, hold on one minute. We're hitting a hard break. I want to, I want to allow you to finish. We'll be right back. establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. All right, Christopher Rufo of the Manhattan Institute, senior fellow. You were saying, I, I want to pick up the two points about the Portland schools. Go ahead. 
Well, yeah. I mean, what we've seen in in, in Portland schools is really a uh, a small group of activists that have organized around the principles of critical race theory uh, that have taken over the architecture of these schools. And uh, parents, in many ways, are powerless. But I think there are really two ways to fight back. First, uh, for parents to get involved and find out what's going on in their classrooms, running for school board if they don't like what they're seeing, uh, and putting a, a, a pressure on teachers who are uh, pushing political indoctrination of the classroom. But there's also legislation that can solve this. And uh, there's been a number of states, now I think four or five, have fully passed legislation banning, te- banning schools from forced, compelling students to believe in the principles of critical race theory, including race essentialism, collective guilt, uh, and, and, and treating others, uh, treating people differently on the basis of race. But I also think a simple sunshine law could be tremendously helpful for parents where public schools would be required at the beginning of each year uh, to post all of their curriculum materials that is easily accessible to the public so that parents actually know where their taxpayer dollars are going and what's being taught to their kids. All right. Well, keep up the good work. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for all your writings. Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. It's this fantastic piece on the Portland school system, and it's frightening. It's frightening. It's not only taken out of the Marxist playbook, it's taken out of John Dewey's playbook. John Dewey, one of the early so-called progressives, who, uh, as I told you, he visited Moscow, he looked at Stalin's school systems in 1928, he was very impressed with it. And it had enormous influence, enormous influence on the public school systems that would follow. And he is cited by a number of journalists, including this guy Jay Rosen, who teaches journalism in New York, a professor, but he's not the only one. He's one of their great heroes. So I'm saying that Joe Biden is already a failed president. When you look across the country, we have a massive crime wave. Murder rates are way up, double digits, way up. You look what's happening at the border. You look what's happening at inflation. The finances of the country are a disaster. And he wants to spend more. So do the Republicans, but he wants to spend even more than them. You look at our foreign policy, where is it better? Where is it improved? Nowhere. You know, they used to like to say Donald Trump liked dictators. Actually... Joe Biden likes dictators. So does Hunter, by the way. So we've already had a war in the Middle East. We didn't have a war in the Middle East involving our ally, Israel, for four years. And we had the Abraham Accords. So is there anywhere in any country in foreign policy-wise, he just sold out to Russia on the gasoline, natural gas pipeline, which is a disastrous national security problem. Most of the NATO countries are opposed to it because most of them are not involved. It's a pipeline that goes straight from Russia to Germany. Gee, I don't know. In the past, that's never been a problem, has it, ladies and gentlemen? No, I don't think so. And, of course, they're threatening the Supreme Court, and on and on and on, you know. So he's a failed president already. He's too stupid to realize it. He probably thinks he's this great... Uh, great president. All right, let's get some of you in here. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak, do you think? 
Mitch in the Bronx, New York, the great WABC. Mitch, you're on. Go. Hello, Mitch. Are you on? Right, Mitch is asleep at the uh, at the wheel. Next. James, where in Ohio? James, Cincinnati, Ohio, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Great to talk to you. All right. I, I really think that... I really think that these Republicans sometimes are suicidal when it comes to the survival of their political party. At this stage of the game, when I hear them talk about supporting a police reform bill and infrastructure and all these crazy things, I I just think to myself, are these people connected with their base at all, or are they just trying to save face with the media? What, What do you think, Mark? I think they're cowards. I don't think they have principles. I think they are basically um, politicians who've built their careers on platitudes. Not all of them, but too many of them. I also think there's a relative handful of them, maybe six or eight or ten of them, who can count on to break away from the pack when the pack is actually trying to do something that's right. Uh, The Democrats rarely have that problem. And so, look, they know that the media are 99.9% Democrat, and they try and save their own scalps and promote themselves through that media. You could see Boehner tried to do that. He was a complete failure. Uh, Others have tried that. Paul Ryan, he was a failure. You can see Liz Cheney, Adam Kingsinger, they're failures. But the party doesn't really have... uh, what. uh, I mean, if I were to ask you today, sir, what is their agenda? What is their agenda? Do you know? I can't. I don't know, Mark, and I'm really worried for this country. I really am. I'm really worried if the Republicans don't get their act together, they're going to lose this next next election. Because, Mark, when I talk to people on social media and everywhere else who vote have voted Republican in the past, many of them are still upset over what they feel. The Republicans certifying an election that had a lot of fraud in it, they're upset about that. And then I'm trying to tell these people to vote for them anyway because our republic is on the line and all of that. And then when I see them go along with these police reform bills, while the police are under attack and infrastructure and all this stuff, they really make, they really make me look like a fool. And I can't imagine how you feel, sir, trying to, trying to you know, get people to do the right thing when they are constantly – undermining you and undermining all the other great conservative talk radio guys? I can't imagine how mad... Well, they don't undermine me. I'm not tied to them. They they despise me. You could hear what Boehner said. He was friendly with others until this crazy guy, Levine, came on the scene. Um, we bring Kevin McCarthy on here, and one of the reasons I bring Kevin McCarthy on here is because I want to hear how conservative they're going to be or not be. And the thing is, at least at least most of the House members are more conservative when they're out of power than when they're in power. The Senate, they're not so conservative when they're out of power or in power. In other words, you would think there'd be a uniting force, and to some extent I'm sure there is, but you're offering a trillion-dollar infrastructure package? What the hell is that? I thought we were having an inflation problem. All right, my friend, I do share your pain. No question about it. But I'm not tight with any of these guys. Even guys that come on the show and so I'm just not tight with any of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, to Nahishi Coates, they go to him as one of the great experts on race, racism, critical race theory. Uh, he's been pushing this agenda, the, 19, the 1619 Project and so forth, and of course he's on CBS The Morning. And this is part of the problem that all these, what people consider sort of mainstream news sites, not you, but so many other people out there, and then they present people like Coates or others, or truly radicals, truly radicals, and they try and uh, and sort of mainstream what is this radicalism, this racism. So take a listen. Cut five. Go. Tanasi, what do you believe uh, the critics of the sixteen nineteen project are worried about? Now, what kind of question is that? I mean, what kind of a stupid question is that by Anthony Mason? What are they worried about? You're asking one of its proponents, what are they worried about? So you're kind of setting it up. This is the problem with so-called journalism today. This isn't really uh, anybody who's interested or curious about getting to the bottom of this. He doesn't question Coates about this theory about its communist roots and all. No, 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 no. What are they worried about? What are they worried about? Go ahead. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to speak for the critics. You know, because I think that I don't. I don't. You know, want to. You know, get into a path where. You know, I'm. I'm saying that it's wrong to to criticize. I mean, I think the critics have and can speak for themselves. I think the people who are attempting to pass policy, to banish it out of the public square, are, are simply afraid of a fair and just accounting of American history. Oh, that must be it. Oh yeah, they're afraid of free speech, a fair accounting of, of American history. When you're telling third graders who are white that they should be ashamed of their race, when you're telling third graders who are black to carry a chip on their shoulder, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, it's it just, so what are they afraid of, American history? No, we believe in teaching American history. And we have tremendous historians through the, through the decades who've come together and have said, this is crap. 1619 has nothing to do with America. Go ahead. Right now, where people are pulling down statues and, and monuments and, you know, et cetera, and we're having a, a much, much broader reconsideration of what the history of this country is. Pulling down monuments and statues. Marxists are pulling down monuments and statues. 
That's what black lives... Why doesn't he talk about that? Why doesn't he tell us who's behind this? What the thinking is behind it? The idiot at CBS this morning, he's too stupid to know. Anthony Mason, whoever the hell that is. Go ahead. Hard questions to be asked. Why is it that, for instance, in the state of Tennessee, there are more statues of Nathan Bedford Forrest, one of the founders of the Ku Klux Klan, than all three presidents born in Tennessee? Well, well, somebody obviously wanted to put all those Klan statues up there. Now, listen, really? I would ask Mr. Coates, are you a Democrat? Seriously, are you a Democrat? Because Nathan Bedford Forrest was a Democrat. Are you a Democrat? George Wallace was a Democrat. Orville Faubus was a Democrat. Roger Taney was a Democrat. I'm just curious. Is that one of the monuments we should pull down? Now, because if they're Marxists, you see, that's okay. That's all right. They're Marxists now. Representing ideology that killed 100 million people. Okay, that's all right. Go ahead. How can that be true? What's going on? You know, yeah. and so I, I think like we're having this broader conversation. Right so now. that's the basis for the broader conversation. Seriously. How about the pulling down of Abraham Lincoln statue or the 54th division, the Massachusetts infantry in the Civil War, which was the first black division to go to war in the Civil War? How about that? How about Ulysses S. Grant's statue when he chased down the Klan in the South and sent the army? You kidding me? I mean, seriously. Unbelievable. Now, he knows. He knows what's behind the 1619 Project and critical race theory. He's not a stupid guy, Coates. Now, the the so-called journalist is a stupid guy. Coates isn't a stupid guy. He's a propagandist, but he's not a stupid guy. I would love to interview him. I'd love to debate him. I really would. Nah, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. But it's too bad. But I want you to be in a position to debate, too. I want you to be in a position to engage, too. Not defending slavery, or defending segregation, or trying to mislead people about American history, but let's look at all of American history. This is the only country on the face of the earth that had a civil war to end slavery. It's the only one. The only one. And the cost was enormous. Now Abraham Lincoln could have let the South break away and said, look, that's your problem. You're the slaves. I'm not dealing. But he didn't. He didn't. People say, you know, it was a war for the Union. Well, read Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass knows more about what took place back then than Coates does. Over 150 years later. Frederick Douglass understood that this was a war to end slavery, as well as maintain the Union. But if there hadn't been the maintenance of the Union... Slavery would have gone on longer in the South. So let's talk about American history. I've got no problem with it whatsoever. I'll be right back.
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello America, Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 Well let's look at some of the domestic failures of Joe Biden. From Axios, which is a left-wing site, from Washington to Louisville, Kentucky, New York to Oakland, California, Kansas City to Atlanta, murder rates are trending up in the U.S. cities, large and small, sample 37 cities, with data available for the first three months of 2021, collected by the crime analyst Jeff Asher, indicates murders are up 18% over the same period in 2020. The continued increase comes after a year in which major U.S. cities experienced a 33% rise in homicides. 63 of 66 largest police jurisdictions saw an increase in at least one category of violent crime, according to a report from the Major Cities Chiefs Association. That's not very good, is it, Mr. Producer? Look at the border. The data shows 17,106 apprehensions in April 2020. 78,323 in January of 2021, and I need to update that information. Let's look at the economy. We have huge inflation now. And uh, huge spikes in products that many of you use, for sure. You're seeing inflation in areas involving used car and truck prices, car and truck rentals, fuel, meat, fresh fruits, home appliances, laundry equipment, airline fares, lodging prices, homes, computer chips, paper products, plastic, steel, lumber, hygiene products, and cardboard, among other things. Then you look at the fiscal state of the nation. It's a disaster. Then you look at the foreign policy of this country. It's another disaster. So Joe Biden is, as I say, a human pandemic. And the only vaccine against this human pandemic is to throw his ass out of office. And first, Pelosi and the pro-Hamas Democrats. That would be a, a good starting point. In addition, he's pushed the critical race theory into the Department of Education to push it out into our schools. He has pushed the federal government, generally, to adopt critical race theory. He shut down the 1776 Commission. He's replaced it effectively with the 1619 administration. Really, just uh, absolutely appalling what this man has done. To this country. Absolutely appalling. Now Stacey Abrams doesn't like these uh, audits going on in Arizona and in Georgia 
What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem with the audits? They don't want transparency. They want to shut this stuff down. They had no problem with criminal investigations into a lie, Russia collusion, congressional investigations, all the rest. But here they just don't want states conducting audits because if they do that, they're racists and they're insurrectionists. With the help of the media, of course. But here she is again. Now, remember, Stacey Abrams still hasn't conceded her defeat for the governorship of Georgia. And Joe Biden finds that very compelling. Joe Biden being a low IQ buffoon as it is. Here she is. Cut six. Go. What do you make of these um, so-called audits? Oh, I forgot it's me. What do you make of the so-called audit? audit? See, this is, again, the media. What do you make of these so-called audits? Go ahead. Happening and recounts in Arizona and Georgia. (laughs) These are schemes designed to perpetuate not only the big lie, but more concerning to me, it's to perpetuate the insurrection. Ah, you see, you see, ladies and gentlemen, Stacy's upset that you might be perpetuating an insurrection. You see, she's a flamethrower. She is a Marxist flamethrower. She's given all the time and all the platforms she wants on phony media to push her, her conspiracy theories. Now, she didn't mind recount after recount when she ran for governor. She was looking for votes anywhere she can get them. When they stole the election from Nora Coleman, Al Franken did, uh, they wanted recount after recount after recount so they could work that one out. There was a few congressional races, one in New York and one in Iowa, where the Democrats did that too. But those weren't insurrections, you see. Those were fair. Go ahead. We Next. have to remember that what caused that behavior on January 6th was an attempt to rewrite history and to sublimate... Okay, thanks. The- uh, now... What about the conspiracy theorists who hold power? Uh, asked William uh, Geist. What is his purpose, by the way? What, what is his purpose on that show? I don't watch the show. What does William Geist do, mister? You ever watch the show? He's a psycho. What does he bring them coffee or something? Cut seven, go. As you know very well, the votes from the 2020 election in the state of Georgia have been counted not once, not yes. twice, but three times. So my question They're not to talking you- about counting the votes. They're talking about auditing what took place. Oh, this is so complicated for Wilhelm Geist. Wilhelm! Wilhelm! How many times did they count the vote for Stacy Wilhelm? You realize how stupid you people look? Go ahead. Why do groups of conspiracy theorists, and that's what they are... You see, you see, this is how it works. You're white racists. You're conspiracy theorists. You're deranged. And this is how these media operatives talk about you, because in their social circles, they're a bunch of uh, circle nerds, may I say. This is how they think. This is how they talk. Go ahead. To voting machines in Arizona or absentee ballots. Hey, Wilhelm, Wilhelm, Wilhelm Geist, I'm speaking to you. What about those cases in Pennsylvania that had nothing to do with 
anything you're saying. We're a couple justices. We believe three wanted to take up those cases. Six refused. You think that was part of a conspiracy theory, Wilhelm? What are you people afraid of? You're afraid of something. Go ahead. What is happening at the state level in the legislature and the governor's mansions that's allowing conspiracy theories access? Ah, to shut our up, you idiot! With your proper he he. What is it about these audits that allows the conspiracy theories to go on? You know, like Russia collusion. Oops, I don't mean Russia collusion. No. How come they don't ask Stacey Abrams? How come you haven't conceded? If you're going to come on these programs and talk about you shouldn't have recounts, how come you haven't conceded? Because she's there as a prop. That's why. They use her as a prop. They know the narrative, and they know that she will push that narrative. This is what liberals do. Excuse me. This is what these fools that pretend to be journalists do. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Benjamin Netanyahu at a press conference in Jerusalem today. It's a powerful man. Cut eight, go. We too will give meaning to our commitment to our self-defense. If Hamas breaks the calm and attacks Israel, our response will be very powerful. And we have uh, discussed ways of how to work together to prevent Hamas uh, rearmament uh, with the weapons uh, and means of uh, aggression. The second point is, uh, naturally, is Iran. We discussed many regional issues, but none is greater than Iran. And I can tell you that I hope that the United States will not go back to the old JCPOA, because we believe that that deal paves uh, the way for Iran to have an arsenal of uh, nuclear weapons with international legitimacy. Um, We also reiterated that Whatever happens, Israel will always uh, reserve the right to defend itself against a regime committed to our destruction, committed to getting the weapons of mass destruction for that end. Well, in this, the Biden administration will not be supporting Israel or we the people. Here's Blinken. It's at a press conference in Jerusalem. Cut nine. Go. The JCPOA, uh, I think, accomplished something very important, and that is 
it cut off all of Iran's pathways to produce fissile material for a nuclear weapon on short order. And it pushed the so-called breakout time, the amount of time it would take Iran to develop that material for a nuclear weapon, to beyond a year. Now, now stop there. What happens after this deal's over? Iran is free to build whatever it wants. In fact, Iran will be well on the way of building whatever it wants. So in other words, as Netanyahu says, it guarantees that Iran will have ICBMs with nuclear warheads, and it'll have it at the behest of the international community. And it'll have the funding to do all of this, since all the restrictions that President Trump put on place will be lifted. This is what we call insanity. Go ahead. It was the most heavily monitored and verified uh, agreement. It was not heavily monitored and verified. All military locations were off the table. Now, everybody knows this. So he's lying. Go ahead. Of, of arms control. Our experts said that uh, Iran was abiding by its commitments under the agreement. So did international experts. This, this reminds uh, me of all the deals with North Korea... One Democrat administration after another, one Republican after administration after another. They would be giving the money, food for their starving people, on and on, new deal, new deal, another deal. They're abiding by their commitments, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, what was that? Wait a minute, they have a nuclear weapon. Wait a minute, they can actually shoot missiles. They weren't supposed to do this. It's so outrageous, so pathetic. Go ahead. Result, the challenge that, that uh, both the United States and Israel were focused on, the prospect of, of, of Iran getting to the point where it could have a nuclear fissile material for a nuclear weapon or produce it on very short order, we took that uh, off, of the, uh, off the field. No, you uh, didn't take it off the field. First of all, they couldn't produce it in short order. They needed time, and you gave them time, and you gave them money, and you gave them protection. Isn't it funny in this, ladies and gentlemen, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, the UAE, and so forth and so on, isn't it funny that all those countries agree and disagree with us, the Biden administration? What is it that Biden knows that Trump didn't know? What is it that Biden knows that Netanyahu, that Sisi, that the crown prince of this and that, what is it that they know in the Biden administration that Pompeo didn't know, that Radcliffe didn't know, that Trump didn't know, that O'Brien didn't know, that Bibi Netanyahu didn't know, that Ron Dermer didn't know, and yet what is it that the Biden administration knows about the Iranians that nobody else knows? These are not just appeasers, these are sellouts. Sellouts. And then, uh, this is the administration, of course. They're going to put hundreds of millions of dollars into the various Palestinian causes, which means they're going to be used, as they always are, not to help their people, but to fund terrorism. Now, I want you to listen to Andrea Mitchell. 
Andrea Mitchell is a longtime diabolical buffoon. She's your typical Washington, D.C. hack. Hence, MSNBC. And we talked about this, that in the 1948 War for Independence, Jordan swooped in, took Judea and Samaria, and called it the West Bank, took Jerusalem, pushed the Jews out of these neighborhoods and out of their homes. Well, the Israelis didn't much like that. So in 1967, they fought a defensive war. They were about to be attacked. And they took back many of these areas. For some reason, Moshe Dayan left the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, where the Al-Asghar Mosque is built, as you know, said to be the third most important Muslim site, built on the first most important Jewish site, and built there for a reason. Uh, Andrea Mitchell is very concerned. You know, they have actually a legal system in Israel, unlike Hamas and unlike Abbas. And many of these judges are very left-wing. And they bend over backwards against Israeli citizens. And decades of litigation, and there's a couple of properties, four or five or six, where a lower court ruled, look, looking at all the evidence and so forth, you know, these are the property of these Jewish families. And there was a, you know, a decision in the 19-whatever-it-was, 60s, and these Arab families were supposed to pay rent. They've never paid a penny, so they're squatters. And this is used as a pretext to shoot missiles into Israel, of course. The rule of law doesn't matter any more than it matters for Black Lives Matter, Antifa, or most Democrats. And so Andrea Mitchell puts a question to the Secretary of State today, again, this, this press conference, and of course, she doesn't provide any of the background, and she promotes a libel against the Israelis and the Jews. She promotes a libel. And this is another woman who's Jewish, by the way. Cut 11, go. Did you get any commitments from Prime Minister Netanyahu to not evict Palestinians from East Jerusalem neighborhoods and to work with the Palestinian Authority and other Palestinians uh, in order to avoid any spark that could break the ceasefire? And did you get any assurances from the Palestinian Authority today that they could have any influence over Gaza? Do you see? The former part, the way she... You're listening to all these so-called journalists, how they pose questions. She didn't say, did you get any commitment from Abbas and the Palestinians that they'll give these homes back to the Jewish families that owned them all those years and they won't commit acts of... No, no, no. Not that. And what did Blinken say? Go. Thanks, Andrea. Um... So, first, as... Now, he basically uh, kicks the ball. He doesn't want to get into it. But the U.S. announces plans to give more than $360 million in urgent support to help rebuild Gaza and other monies provided uh, to the Palestinians so they can continue to grow their economies and progress and invent things, not. 
I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Dr. Mark Siegel is a good friend of mine. He's also been, in many ways, the nation's guide star and, uh, and doctor in, uh, throughout this COVID pandemic. And uh, Dr. Siegel, how are you, sir? Great to be on with you, Mark. I'm doing well. I want, us, I want us to focus on the part of your book and the part of your argument on the fear part. As this pandemic winds down, the fear clearly has not. Can you get into that a little bit, please? Well, you know, I, I was thinking before I came on about the best possible way to frame this, which is that, and my fear books have always made this point, it's not that fear isn't valuable. It's that we're afraid of the wrong things and that we're made to be afraid of the wrong things because other people gain from that. Now, we should be afraid of China. We should be afraid of where the heck this virus came from. We should be afraid of the tremendous damage that's been due to these lockdowns. We should be afraid of why our schools have been closed and what that means to our children. But we don't need to be afraid if our mask slips off. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be afraid of of COVID right now because it's going so way down. The numbers are way down. And mm-hmm. so we need to be afraid of our leaders right now and what they're trying to do to prolong the agony, to prolong the suffering, to prolong the constrict. They got a good one, good thing going, right? They got control to some extent and they're utilizing it, but not to help us. That's the fear. And the biggest, and it does enormous damage, doesn't it, doctor? Look at our school systems and look particularly in, in certain school systems that have all these powerful unions and so forth. We still don't know if some of them are going to have these kids in schools or not, which is outrageous. Well, actually, if you look at Europe, we should never have taken our kids out of school. Mm-hmm. And kids are very restless with online learning. I've learned this from my own kids. It's not something that actually doesn't cause any damage. I mean, learning is about face-to-face. Learning is about interacting, interacting with your cohorts. That, that, that may seem subtle, but it's not so subtle once you've been staring at a computer screen for a while. Kids really don't take well to that. And as you just said, I mean, why is there guidelines in place that are 
driven by teachers' unions. That makes no sense at all. Why are the schools open right now? Talk about moving the goalposts. They said when teachers got vaccinated, which I never thought was necessary, now teachers are vaccinated, schools still not open. Talking about conscriptions at camps. At a time when did you see the PGA um, final on Sunday where everybody was in a big crowd? How come the adults can come together and Mm -hmm. rejoice? Or I was at the Nick game. And they're more susceptible than the kids, for crying out loud. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're we're worrying about our adults. I mean, we're not worried about our adults who are more susceptible than kids. Than kids who get mild cases are are under a tremendous scrutiny and lockdown still within their institutions because it's easier to control them, isn't it? Do you think our government now has changed, or certain blue state governments, but even the national government has changed. When I, I have to be honest with you, doctor, at this point, I don't need any guidance from the CDC or the White House. I know what I'm doing. I've been vaccinated. And they're still issuing guidance, and I'm saying, why don't you guys cut it out? Most of us know what we're doing now. We don't need your guidance. I'm vaccinated. What other guidance is there? First of all, I think it's time to return to personal responsibility, as you just said. Secondly, you're absolutely right. If you're vaccinated, the amount of protection you're, you're getting is enormous. Thirdly, and most importantly, I have to tell you as a physician, guidelines are not something that are mandates to me. I mean, I have plenty of guidelines as a physician that I don't choose to follow because they don't work in a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somehow the, the CDC guidelines became a religious document. How did that happen? That if you don't follow it to the letter, you know, you're in an orange state. You, over there in Missouri, you're in an orange. You can't open your restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what is all of this? And then the hypocrisy among the leaders we've talked about before, you know, where the governor of California is eating out at a restaurant, which is essentially supposed to be closed by his estimation at a time when there's no spread going on outdoors. Completely insane and contradictory. And we're finding this, all these iron-fisted governors are doing the same thing. They're, they do what they want to do for themselves, but not for the public. I think, doctor, I'd be curious to know what you think, that when we actually take a look back, in, in sort of the, the in, in a sober look back, a little distant from all this, we're going to see a lot of human decisions that were failures that were made that contributed to the to the death toll in this country, including these nursing homes and other decisions. Don't you think so? Well, that's for sure. And and by the way, of course, we've already documented that and shown a spotlight, an ugly spotlight on what went on in the New York nursing homes and patients. You know, that's where guidelines might have actually worked, where you actually understand that you can't take a COVID patient and return them to a place that cannot possibly be equipped to handle them. What is this? It's not an ICU. It's a nursing home. And you're saying COVID positive patients can go back there? That 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 decision was beyond absurd. But you know what the worst decision made was? It was the superimposition of flu guidelines. These are flu, lockdowns are for flu. They came from 1918 on a virus that's much more easily spread, that it spreads in the air. So all you did was lock people down for months where they spread it among themselves. How did that help anything? All it did was to destroy the economy, destroy the human psyche, and spread the virus. If you want to pass, I get it. What grade would you give Fauci? A, A to E. 
Well, look, that depends on what we're talking about, because honestly, he knows vaccinology, and I, and I have to give him a high grade for these vaccines, and I think he understands the virus. I give him a much lower grade when it comes to understanding public health and how decisions that are made impact on people outside of a virologist's lab. I think, I think it's, a, it's a mixed thing. I do, I do feel really good about these vaccines. And by the way, I mean, how come we're not calling it the Trump vaccine? I agree I mean, with you. You want to know pure politics. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, uh, I mean, the president, President Trump has told me himself that, if anything, Fauci was a constant naysayer through most yeah, of these meetings. A, and he's not the only one who's told me that. Well, another thing about that, by the way, that's really important. Uh, it, it, president Trump's right about that. President Trump put together this this coalition, let's call it, of public and private partnership. Never would have happened under another administration. That's the art, art of the deal. The other thing, though, and I think you're starting to hint at this, is, you know, a lot of what you do in the middle of a pandemic or a new outbreak or something new is you try things. So why did why did hydroxychloroquine suddenly become this evil treatment when it's cheap, when when it works? When it's safe, you know, the president says he's taking it, so suddenly nobody will take it, or, or, mm-hmm. or suddenly you're a pariah for taking it, and, and that, Dr. Fauci got in on that point. I, I think that that's exactly what you do when you, don't, when you have something new. You try things, and I've had multiple patients responding to that. So that's, that's what you do when you're in an office, in an in a examination room with patients. Mm-hmm. And uh, this... Lab issue. You know, I did my Sunday show with a man who spent a lot of time investigating this, former New York Times senior editor for science. And he said, look, I can't say definitively because we don't have the data, but I can say definitively that there's no way it happened with uh, a natural animal to human being. There's absolutely not a single piece of evidence for that. And yet there's a lot of circumstantial information about this lab. And uh, Fauci has even changed his mind again today from yesterday. He's been all over the map. I don't believe that's a particularly useful uh, exercise by him, particularly since his department gave the grant to the third party that then gave the grant to the Wuhan lab. If you were Fauci, wouldn't you want to get to the bottom of that and find out why did we give that grant? And by the way, they gave the grant, even though there was a moratorium, this uh, fellow told me, a moratorium on doing this kind of scientific research for a period of time. There was some kind of loophole, and it's not clear what it was. Mark, there was a lot of fear about the SARS-CoV-1 virus, and I think that that fear was excessive. And I think that motivated a lot of people to start trying to throw money at further research. But the, 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 either the hypocrisy or the idiocy, I don't know, of, of giving money to the Chinese scientists under the thumb of the Chinese government, thinking that you were going to get wide-open science. I mean, the, the Chinese government, the most polluted and, and, and destructive and criminal government in the world, completely controlling their scientists. So that's number one. The other point I want to make is, you know, from a science point of view, things don't jump species overnight. So especially a coronavirus, not flu. Flu mutates a lot, but the coronaviruses don't mutate that much. And so, you know, for this to, for this to suddenly go in one month or two months to something that takes off like a skyrocket and goes around the world, that is like a flare saying, hey, somebody made me. Because if it actually occurred naturally, it would take a long time. 
for it to actually maneuver the virus, mutate and change and, and test things out to the point where it actually goes easily from human to human. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. We don't have proof. But I'll tell you one thing. The reason we're not going to get to the bottom of this is because you have a, a, a scientist, Dr. Zhang Li, who, who, who maneuvered on bat coronaviruses, manipulating them in that lab. And who's going to put her, who's going to put her on trial? Well, I think she's alive today because she keeps her mouth shut, to be perfectly honest. Some of these scientists have uh, disappeared, and nobody knows where they are. I suspect I know. Well, and that's where it smelled from the beginning, when the poor doctor that tried to reveal this in, in, in the last day of 2019 was suddenly raided by the police and died mm-hmm. at the age of 32 of this virus. I mean, that already should have told everyone in the United States, do not listen to any information coming out of there. But that's not how it works. All right, Dr. Mark Siegel, the book is COVID, The Politics of Fear, The Power of Science. It's a fantastic book. You're a fantastic doctor, and I want to thank you, sir. Mark, you're a great American, and, and I really wish everyone would listen to you and listen to me and, and, and stop trusting uh, people that are, that are telling you things that aren't true. That's for sure. I'm for that, Doc. That's for sure. All right. God bless you. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For your pleasure and enjoyment. So let us look at the failed human pandemic called Joe Biden. Homicides in cities increased by up to 40% over the previous year. The biggest single-year increase since 1960, a trend that has not abated so far in 2021. 63 of 63 largest police jurisdictions saw a rise at least one category of violent crime, ranging from homicide and rape to robbery and assault. That's a big deal. Also, look at the border. More fentanyl has been seized by Customs and Border Protection so far in 2021 than in all of 2020. Texas border agents spend less than 50% of their time patrolling the border. Most of the time, they're babysitters. They're taking care of an influx of unaccompanied minors leaving our border unguided. Over 60,000 migrants have so far come into the country illegally. Look at the economy. Inflation's at 4.2%. We had no inflation prior to this president. 
And look at what's getting more expensive, inflation spikes, used cars and trucks, car and truck rentals, fuel, meat, fresh fruits, home appliances, laundry equipment, airline fares, lodging prices, homes, computer chips, paper products, plastic, steel, lumber, hygiene products, cardboard. In other words, what hasn't? And then look at the debt. He wants almost $8 trillion in new spending. $1.52 trillion in discretionary spending, following $1.9 trillion for last month's American Rescue Plan, $2.3 trillion for Part 1 of his infrastructure plan, another $2 trillion or so for Part 2. That $7.7 trillion doesn't even count another $3 trillion or so in entitlement spending, $300 billion in debt service costs. Add that in, and you're talking about spending that's more than half of the nation's $21 trillion output. So in other words, more than half of what our economy produces. I'd say that's pretty, pretty shocking, wouldn't you? Now let's look at foreign policy. Virtually every decision made by the Trump administration with respect to Hamas and the Palestinian Authority was reversed. And one month after Biden told the Palestinians that he was giving them $235 million in U.S. aid, they fired rockets into Israel. And Biden, at the time, said he's supporting a two-state solution. With whom? With whom? And when it comes to anti-Semitism, Joe Biden issued a statement, but his party is filled with anti-Semites. And what has he done about it? Has he spoken up? He hasn't done a damn thing. Nothing. Look what he's done with Russia. The biggest thing Russia wanted from us was to enable them to build and finish that pipeline between Russia and Germany. Trump said no. Biden said yes. What a calamity. What a disaster. And as far as communist China is concerned, the source of the coronavirus... What is it that the Biden administration is going to do about it? Will they even investigate it? Well, the Biden administration has said today through its spokes idiot, that's up to the international community, not us. Not us. Does this sound like a man who's serious about what's going on in the world? It doesn't to me. Guy's a pushover. I might also remind you on the border... 17,106 apprehensions in April 2020. 78,323 in January 21. And a hell of a lot more each month since. Because Biden's in town. So where is the... Where have the American people benefited? On vaccines. Which he didn't create. Thank you all you heroes. I hope you'll run over to Amazon and get American Marxism. We're really counting on you. And I'll see you on TV in a moment. 